Hi, I'm Darren Peppard. Welcome to the Leaning into Leadership podcast, the podcast dedicated to today's hardworking leader. Join me every Sunday for leadership insight, inspiration, and a little pep talk to keep you rolling down your road to awesome. All right, welcome back to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Darren Peppard, and I'm really fired up for this week's episode. You know, week after week now, I'm having incredible conversations with leaders all over the country. And I know originally I built this as a podcast where I would probably do mostly solo podcasts and occasionally have a guest. But I got to be honest with you, folks, I'm loving having these guests and the feedback I'm hearing from you is that you genuinely enjoy the guest as well. So don't worry, there will be another solo podcast soon. But this week, we have an absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal leader joining us. Mr. Eric Lillis is the Executive Director of the Kingman Academy of Learning in Kingman, Arizona. Eric is one of those leaders whose superpower genuinely is to lead with his heart. He is 100% a culture-first leader. Um, I admire so much in how Eric does his job. He cares so deeply about and works so hard to build relationships with all of his staffily. That's staff plus faculty, for those of you who aren't uh, familiar with that term. But he's not just that way with his staffily. It's with his kids. As the executive director of the charter school where he works, which is essentially being a superintendent, he could easily be disconnected from his schools, but he's not. He knows his kids. He knows the families. Eric is a big part of the Kingman community. He's an incredible leader. He was just recently named the Jocelyn's Renaissance National Educator of the Month. This is going to be an incredible conversation. I'm super excited to share that with you. Before we go there, though, I just got to ask you, folks, have you ever sat in professional development as a leader and thought, how's this supposed to help me be any better? That's exactly why I've created high-performance leadership teams by Road to Awesome. Let's be honest, folks. Leadership professional development should be about leadership Yes, we need to learn everything that is happening in our classrooms and that our our teachers are going to be doing with our students. But in order for us to be better leaders, we have to have professional developments that are meaningful to us. With high-performance leadership teams, the focus is on the team, on the direction the team is going, the clarity the team needs to work together. How do we align our behaviors? How do we ensure that we're utilizing each other's strengths to our maximum? And how do we also make sure that the mom against dad game never gets played? Because we're all clearly on the same page. I'm telling you, high-performance leadership teams from Road to Awesome, that is the ticket, folks. Most leadership teams right now across the country are seeing a lot of turnover. Maybe one leader is moving on to another role or one leader is retiring or you have a whole new structure to your leadership team. Reach out. Let's have a conversation, folks, because I truly believe this is the work that's going to set your leadership team up for success as you go into this next year. I'm telling you, folks, when your team is all pointed in the same direction, When they're all marching in the exact same step, incredible things can happen. Teams could become high performing. 
reach out. Let's have a conversation. Contact me at Darren M. Peppard at RoadToAwesome.net. That's Darren M. Peppard at RoadToAwesome.net. Folks, all the information you need is in the show notes. High Performance Leadership Teams. It's worth checking it out. Now, let's get to that conversation with Eric Lillis. I'm telling you, folks, this is going to be incredible. Enjoy. All right, Eric, thank you so much for joining me on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. Man, it's, it is big time a treat to have you on the show, to have an opportunity just to have a conversation with you and honestly to share the relationship you and I have going back a number of years with, with all of our leaders. Well, thanks for having me, man. I, I really appreciate you asking and, and I can't wait to, to just have a conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so full disclosure for, uh, for all of our listeners, um, Eric and I actually met on New Teacher Day in August of 1995 in Kingman, Arizona. And I'll spare you the entire story. I probably should be wearing this Iowa Hawkeyes hat um, for, for Eric instead of wearing my Jocelyn's Renaissance beanie. And we'll talk about why I'm wearing the beanie in a few minutes. But um, new teacher day, I walk in wearing a Wyoming polo because I'm a Wyoming kid. Backstory to that, Wyoming lost to Iowa in the Holiday Bowl in the very, very late 80s. Eric being the Iowa guy, I walk in. Nice holiday bowl is how I'm greeted by this person. And somehow, Eric, 27 years later, or whatever it is now, man, we continue uh, continue to be like best friends. So uh, stoked to have you on. Maybe even though I've given a little bit of background, tell our <clears throat> listeners who you are, what you're up to, where you're at. Um, yeah, there you go. Yeah. So this is my this is my 29th year in education. Um, 25 of those have been in the state of Arizona. Uh, where I currently am at the Kingman Academy of Learning. I'm the executive director of a small charter school, actually one of the original charter schools um, in the state of Arizona, uh, formed in 1995. But um, 29 years, uh, the other four years, two of those in the great state of Iowa, and then two of those actually in Wyoming, where, yeah. where yes, where, where I was able to actually pick up some, some Wyoming memorabilia um, and bring that back. <laughs> Uh, flashing back to our first meet, you know, and I'm, I'm actually surprised you, you still talk to me after the way that I greeted you that first day in 1995, but uh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. It's, uh, it's burned into my memory. It really is. Yeah. So, so I've been, you know, I, I, you know, started my career teaching PE at, uh, in an elementary school, um, after I moved to Arizona and then I moved to the charter school where I was an athletic director and assistant principal. Um, then I moved to a uh, intermediate level school, three five school, um, where where I was a principal. And then I moved to Wyoming. Um, there was a guy up there that I knew. His name was Darren Pepper, who recruited me <laughs> to move to Wyoming and be the activities director at Rock Springs High School. And and one of the was, best hires I ever made, by the way. That was a really well, good move on my part. Well, and and my boss up there is a pretty good guy too. And and we we actually that. That was two of the best years of my career. I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, even even though we actually go back and forth and say we had no no idea what we were doing, that was a great place to be. That really yeah. was a great place to be, regardless of the weather. That was a great place to be. <laughs> um, yeah. Then I moved back to Kingman, where I was um, lucky and blessed enough to be able to be taken back by Kingman Academy um, in a position of uh, the curriculum director, and then um, I was a high school principal here, and now I'm 
the executive director. So I have worn a few hats in the past 29 years, but it has been, it has been wild. It's been great. It really has. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you touch on something that uh, definitely uh, the two years that you and I had uh, the opportunity to work together at Rock Springs High School were, I think, at least for me, I don't know about from your perspective, when I, when I think about leadership and I think about the evolution of me as a leader specifically, you know, uh, especially you came on my first two years as a principal. And I mean, to be frank, I was a hot mess. Um, <laughs> I really had this, I had this belief that I had to do it all, that I had to be you know, the omniscient member of, of the staff. And of course, learned, you know, over time that that was absolutely not true. But um, yeah, definitely those two years, I look back and think about the team of four, uh, the two of us, Mike and, and, and Matt, who were the other two that were part of the team. Um, and, and they both got on to, to really good careers as well. So definitely look at that as a, a pivotal moment where I think I learned so much about leadership in those couple of years. And, and I really feel like I learned most of it by doing it wrong. I really do. I know, I know we did some good things, um, but bringing you in, I thought was important because I needed somebody with experience in, in the role of, of being a principal. And uh, definitely you helped me through, through that evolution. Well, well, and I feel the same way. And, and I came from a very small school district where, we had seven sports and I walk into Rock Springs high school and I think I, you know, I know everything there is to know about activities and athletics. And I think my first event was a swim meet and not much going on down here with that. So I had to learn very quickly on the fly, how to run swim meets and, and, and things like that. And it was, I learned and grew so much as a leader when I was up there not just knowledge of athletics and knowledge of sports, but you gave me some responsibilities outside of the the athletic arena that really helped me grow as a leader. And I really look back on that and appreciate that as well. Well, I think that's uh, not, not just for me. I think for all leaders, it's important when you're working as part of a team that each of you are given opportunities or find opportunities where you can stretch and grow and, you know, typically the activities director is not involved a lot in, you know, teacher evaluation, this example, other than, you know, maybe it's evaluate the coaches, evaluate the PE teachers. But, um, you know, I've always felt like if you're going to be in an administrative role, you've got to shoulder a portion of the load when it comes to being an instructional leader. It can't just sit on one person's shoulders. It needs to belong to all. So um, I appreciate you bringing that up because I think that's that's an important thing that gets missed in leadership frequently we become rather siloed in the roles that we have and almost become fearful of crossing over, you know, because we don't want to step in somebody's sandbox and, and, and make a mess, but really great leadership teams are going to have that ability to step outside of their comfort zones and grow together and, and be able to support each other. Absolutely. And that still goes on in schools. I mean, I mean, you walk into buildings where they are very departmentalized and, and, they're not going above and beyond what their so-and-so called job description says, you know, well, that's not mine, but the more that you learn about all the different parts of leadership at any school, whether it's a high school, elementary school, whatever it is, I mean, obviously the better leader you're going to be. So, you know, having those experiences have been huge for me. Yeah. So let's, let's kind of build off of that a little bit and think about, 
Um, right now, uh, obviously, it's a tough time in education. There's no question <laughs> about that. Um, we're we're seeing pressures from the inside, pressures from the outside in ways that, that honestly we've never seen before. And without getting into what's good about it, what's not good about it, um, what, what might be some of those, those challenges that, that you're seeing or you're feeling, uh, be them from the inside or the outside, uh, from the role you're in, and how are you addressing some of those challenges? Well, I mean, we don't want to talk for 45 minutes about COVID, but... That has definitely been a challenge and, and, and having to become an expert in, in uh, virology has been difficult for every leader in the country. You know, it's, it's, that's definitely a challenge. But you know what, we can, we can sit here and we can dwell on, on how difficult COVID has made the last two years, but that's just not the only thing. I mean, I, I, I walked into a situation where I was able to, to take over this position from someone who had been in it for 25 years. And, and things have been done a certain way, not not right or wrong, but but a certain way. And I had all these grand plans and we've had this conversation. I've had all these grand plans to make these changes and guess what got in the way, you know, and yeah. that unfortunately was a big focus over the past year um, to be able to not focus on that big piece of what COVID was doing to to our you know, our schools and students, are we in, are we out, are we A, are we B, you know, whatever the case may be, but get back to what we should be focusing on. And that was making positive change throughout all of our schools, our entire school district here, there, wherever. And I found myself getting away from that and, and, and focusing more on, um, here we go again, you know, here's another spike in cases, we've got to leave and, and, and go home. And once again, all my plans are put to the side. Well, I had to make a choice. You know, I cannot be the leader that I want to be by just focusing on that negative piece. I I have to be a better leader. I have to start focusing on what we need to do to make change. So I sit down with my team, and that's the first thing you got to do is you, you can't do it yourself, Darren. I mean, I, I mean, let's be honest, you cannot Absolutely. do it yourself. And and I am blessed to have some unbelievable leaders around me. Um, I have four building principles, four, four dynamic building principles who, who lead the way they should lead. I mean, I mean, I, I don't know how else to say it. They just are amazing at what they do. And bottom line, they just love their kids and they love their staffalty. And before, and before you go further, I want to, I want to build on that just a little bit because yeah. I'm in a unique position to know your four building leaders. Um, I think this is this is a critical, critical point for leadership teams and what you said about you can't do it on your own. You have four very different people. I mean, you those four are so different, so very talented and and so wonderful for their kids and for their staff. But maybe and then jump back if you can to where where you were going, but expand a little bit on on the importance of that. I don't want to use the word diversity because that's not quite right, but just each person being unique and what they bring to the table as part of your team. Well, you sit in a room with these four leaders and then, and then add to that, I'm going to add my curriculum director, Janelle Victory as well, because she is yet another leader that we have who has a completely different personality than the other four leaders that we have. So like we're in a room together and, and it is, it is checks and balances. It is, Hey, here's an idea goes around the room. Everybody's got, got a different opinion on it. And then we're able to build on that. And come to the conclusion that should be, you know, of how to take care of things. 
So I think that having those four diverse people in those schools fit those schools. And, you know, and Darren, it has to be diverse because K2 is going to be different than 6-8. I mean, oh, and, yeah. and, and, and 3-5 is going to be different than the high school. And those personalities fit those schools. And what they do every single day in those schools is absolutely different. You can ask any of them. And you know that. You've worked at the middle school. You've yeah. worked at the high school. And, yeah. and without their, their opinions on things, and I, don't, and I don't just make decisions to make decisions. That, that's not who I am. I will never, ever just make a unilateral decision that's going to affect all four schools without talking to my leaders first. That's a huge piece for me. And, and each, each of them may have a different opinion on what we're talking about. But because of that, I'm able to stop and think and then move forward with how I want to do things and how it's going to affect everybody in those buildings. Because it's going to affect, Darren, it's going to affect the people in the elementary school buildings different than it's going to affect the people in the secondary buildings without question. So, oh, yeah. So, so you're right. Having those, those different opinions from those four leaders is amazing. And then my sounding board, um, I call her my work wife, whatever you want to call it is Janelle <laughs> right next door to me. She is my voice of reason. And, and she is my barometer on making that change. So, okay, we've had this conversation with the leaders. We go talk with Janelle and we speak together as a team and then we move forward from there. It, 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 is, it is really awesome to be surrounded by these people because I, I, and you've known me a long time, I make decisions based on emotion sometimes and a lot of us do. It's just building sure. our, our DNA. And I've had to really look at that, reel that in and, and talk to my people before I move forward stuff and that's just you know and that's just something that i've had to learn and and the challenges the past two years have made me a better leader to be honest with you i mean some people are bailing there's a lot of people that are bailing what and i saw recently that 10 superintendents in a state resigned in the past four days you know that is that's the trend people are getting out yeah. of education and 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 i don't want to get into that but the last two years have actually made me a better leader because it's really, I'm really able to focus on what I needed to do better. And that was listen to the people around me. Because I've never been a great listener. Ask my wife. She can tell you. But listening to the people around me has yeah. made me a better leader. And listening to my faculty, listening to my kids, listening to my parents have made me a better leader. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, think, I think that right there is the key, is listening. Um, I know you've heard me say this uh, a handful of times, and it's it's something any leader that I'm coaching or or school that I'm working with, something I stress all the time that you just hit without saying the exact words, is listening is so very critical. But it isn't listening just to formulate a response. It's listening to hear them and to really understand where they're coming Absolutely. from. Um, you and I have you know, we've had so many conversations over the last handful of this two and a half years that that was the pandemic. Pretty much, folks, just just for full full disclosure, Eric and I were probably on the phone four times a week, <laughs> one of us calling the other, and it was never like an equal balance. It gets swung like a pendulum over, you know, just frustrations. And, you know, you've got to have somebody to vent to, right? Um, 
but but during during some of those those conversations that we've had where where you've shared you know the the challenging parent or the difficulty with with a member uh, of your of your board or or something along those lines what you have done is you've always given them the space to truly be heard not just listen to tell them why they're wrong you truly listen to them and i think that's something a lot of leaders, especially early career leaders, I know I struggled with this very early in my leadership career. You got to listen to really hear and understand. You know, don't spend the time formulating your response while they're talking. I think that's just such a critical thing. And I know it's something you do so, so very well and have grown and, and developed that skill a lot over the years. Well, well, and you and I have, I mean, I have that in common. When I first became a leader, I would just fire back. And you know, I had to, we've all received those emails from whoever, whether it's a parent, whether it's a board member, whoever it is, that you just want to fire back. But all that's going to do is make things more difficult. So you want to really think about what you're going to say. Let them, let them be heard. Just, you know, whether it's an email, whether it's someone who walks into your office that's angry right off the street in the morning, they just want to be heard, you know, and, and you're not there to argue. You're there to listen. And, and man, I've had to learn that over the past two and a half years. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lesson well-learned because without it, I would not have made it through the past two and a half years, to be honest with you. And, and, and I know you, have, yeah. you know, you and I, you're my sounding board and, and, and I'm yours. And, and I remember even back when we were in Wyoming together, how many times we wanted to fire back at an email that we had gotten, but then we, yeah. we take a breath, we think about it. And we're like, yeah, let's let's give it a little time before we formulate a response. Always, always good advice. Just yeah, take a beat. Um, my my trick, you know, here you go. Uh, pro tip for free: um, when you want to respond to one of those emails, go ahead and hit the reply button, and then delete the person's name. Then type whatever you want, because you can't accidentally send it if there's no name in the two spot. Then when you're ready to really compose the right response, you delete all that stuff out of there. You write, you know, that appropriate response. And um, listening to you talk made me think of uh, a situation once when I was a superintendent. I had a uh, parent, it's actually a grandparent, came in, you know, it scheduled an appointment with me. My, my HR director had no idea why this person wanted to meet with me. Soon as the person came in, you know, I hadn't even sat down yet. And she had called me probably seven different names using profanity. And I just said, stop, you can leave. You're not going to talk to me that way. And she did leave. And then she came back. She apologized. We sat down. We had, to, we had a really good conversation. And at the end of the conversation, I remember asking her, what is it you would have me do? And she said, I don't know that I really want you to do anything. I just needed you to hear me. Like, That's cool. You know, I appreciated that. And actually, I mean, she made some good points. Um, but, you know, me 15 years ago would have been, you know, whoa, stop, you know, leave. You can't talk to me that way, which I mean, it, I, I think that's important for leaders to do. Just say, look, hey, there's some boundaries here. If you want to have a conversation, we can we can do that. But you can't speak to me that way. But then when she would have come back, I would have said, nope, we're not talking, you know, or I would have found a reason very quickly in the conversation to say, nope, here's why you're wrong. Now get out. But people just want to be heard, man, I, I think. I think we all know that, and and what it what it ties into, and and this goes to this goes to the Renaissance beanie on my head right now. Um, for those who who are watching the uh, the 
the feed on the YouTube channel. Um, Eric, congratulations, was named the Jocelyn's Renaissance um, National Educator of the Month uh, for this past month. Uh, congratulations, buddy. That's uh, Thanks, definitely man. something that's that's outstanding. And, and it feeds into where I want to go with this next question, which you talked about how over the last couple of years, you've grown tremendously as a leader and you talked about really listening to people and, and you talked about how intentional you are getting the voices from your leadership team. It all comes back to how I know you lead, which is with a culture first focus. So as, as I've traveled around the country this year, the schools that have really done well during the pandemic and, and haven't struggled as much, um, they had something in common. And that was they had a strong culture. They focused on that culture and they were able to kind of leverage that to allow them to be successful. So what are what are some of the things that, that you've been doing to keep that positive focus right at the forefront in your district, because I mean, let's be frank, man. It's <laughs> it's really tough around the country right now to right. find positives. So, what's what's the secret, man? Well, I mean, we've we've developed some some traditions over the years, and and we did not let those die during the pandemic. We did not um, stop doing rallies during the pandemic. We did not stop recognizing teachers and kids during the pandemic. We kept our traditions going. Um, those of you that follow me on, on Twitter, Facebook, whatever, um, once a month, we recognize four people, two faculty, two students with a bowling pin. And we call it the, the Kingman Academy, you bowl me over awards. We didn't stop that during the pandemic. Um, we still nominated, voted on. I, I went to a kid's house to give him the bowling pin while we were out. You know, those are things that cannot stop. You cannot stop traditions even during the insanity of the last two and a half years. We, you just can't. Um, it's so important. We are, we are also very blessed here that I have two massively strong um, Renaissance leaders in, in my middle school and my high school, Judy Perrine at the middle school and then Aaron Shears at the high school, who have constantly um, continued these programs so well. I mean, I mean, throughout the, the, the last two years and, and the amount of recognition that they do of their stability. I mean, I was just walking through the middle school today and there are big Valentine's hearts on every teacher's door. And that's from Renaissance and, and with their names on them and how much they love them and, and things like that. And, and at the high school, there's always recognition that are going on, on at the high school. They, they have a rally plan for the minute we get back from spring break just to welcome the kids back um, from spring break. You know, and, and it, you guys, it's not hard. It, it's, it's keeping a culture is not hard because when you're intentional about recognition and when you're intentional about making sure that people know that you love them and you hear them and you care about them, everything else is going to fall into place. I, and I told you this, Darren, I don't want to be the leader that sits behind my computer screen all day long. And every morning I'm in the parking lot greeting kids and parents every morning, rain or shine. And it doesn't rain in Arizona. So it's usually shine. It's a good point. So yeah. 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 And, 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 and no snow either. Um, occasionally, but not very often. Um, yeah. but I want to get into schools and, and I want to see kids 
and I want to walk through classrooms and I want to greet teachers in the morning when they're coming in. And, and as a leader in my position in a building separate from everybody else, that has to be a priority for me, you know, because it's so easy to get into this position of superintendent, district administrator, whatever, you know, whatever you want to call it and get stuck doing compliance and get stuck doing paperwork and get stuck answering emails and talking to vendors and, and, and things like that. And before you know it, the day's gone and you haven't greeted a kid, talked to a single staffalty member the entire day. That is not the person that I want to be as a leader and, and keeping that culture, you know, is so important to me. I have had to be intentional making sure that I get out of here and do that every single day. Try to visit all four schools every day. Even if it's to say hi to one teacher, it's better than nothing. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the best leaders that I've had the opportunity to be around were always the leaders that were visible, that that were accessible. Um, you know, I, I I talk about it all the time about you know when you have a meeting with with somebody that's that's part of your staff will be go meet in their location. I mean, obviously the heavy personnel things need to happen in your office, but Otherwise, get out, go meet with them in their space. Their time is infinitely more important and more valuable than yours is. So get out and meet with them. So, so I, I want to I dovetail a question with that um, related to just, just exactly how you do the intentionality. For me, I, I put it on my calendar. I mean, I was very intentional about right, that. Yeah. You know, um, if I, you know, if I have school culture, 45 minutes blocked on my calendar, you know, and then I'm going to go in and, and I'm going to be detailed about what it is, whether that's go see three teachers on their prep or, you know, go have lunch with the fourth graders or fill in the blank, whatever, whatever it might be. So that's one. I think the second one you already touched on, but man, I found this was true as a principal, but really true as a superintendent. Don't start your day in the office. Do not start your day in your office. Um, now, in my case, you know, I had a building that was was quite, you know, not quite a ways, but, you know, it was like a five block drive to be at my high school. My, my K-8 building was attached to to my office, but I would intentionally just two days a week, you know, I'm going to go start at the high school. I'm, I'm going to go hang out. I'll be in the media center or I'll be out front greeting kids or whatever. Um, obviously, as a principal and you were you were a part of this with me in Rock Springs, we were at the front door every single day. Mm-hmm. So some, some ways to be intentional, two or three, just give, give two or three real quick ones for, for leaders who are trying to find ways to be intentional with their culture. Well, well, I love your idea about the calendar. I mean, just, you know, just working it into your schedule and, 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 and you can relate to this because we've both been in charge of very small school districts. So the hat is worn a thousand different ways. Yeah. Um, for instance, I am, I'm actually the assessment coordinator for my district and on top of everything else. So you have to plan your day based on what you have to do that day. So usually the way that I plan is, hey, I've got an hour of work I have to do with this, but I'm going to take the next hour and I'm going to go to the high school. Then I'm going to come back. I'm going to do a couple of things in my office. Then I'm going to walk over the intermediate school and see those kids. And the best time, Darren, the best time to greet kids is at lunch and at recess. That is the yeah. best time to get to know kids. You know, you, you can walk through halls and you can meet them during passing time, but they've only, you know, you've only got a couple of minutes there, but yeah. lunch and recess are the best times to greet kids. How much fun is it 
as a 52-year-old man to go out and hang out at the slide in the K2 building. Seriously. That yeah. is a blast. You know, and those kids love seeing you, you know. Mm -hmm. And and they remember that because when you see them in public, when you see them at Walmart, when you see them at the grocery store, hey, Mr. Lillis, hey, that's my that's 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 the boss. He was over there with us in the playground the other day. You know, kids remember that kind of stuff. Yeah. And they tell their parents about it, which is awesome. You know, you have to find the times that 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 you're going to see and greet and, and form those relationships best with those kids. And what's cool is, 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 is it okay if I tell you a little story real quick about the high school? Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the way that our high school is set up, we, we have a very small high school. We have about 350 kids. Everybody eats lunch at the same time. So when you go over there, you always see kids. And like that, that's one of our goals at all of our buildings. No, no student eats alone, you know, no matter where they are, they try to hide in the corners. They try to hide between the machines, whatever it is, no kids eat alone. That's huge for us. So I was over at the high school one day and there was a young lady. I didn't know her. I think she was new to our district and, and it's very hard to get to know everybody, but that's a goal of, of mine as a leader as well as try to get to many, know as many kids as possible. And, and she was kind of over toward like where the student store is. And she was wearing a pair of Converse that, and I love Chucks. You know me. I wore Chucks oh, yeah. every time that you knew me. Um, and she had a pair of, of brownish Chucks on that were similar to the ones that you and I were, you, you know, that we got for my wedding. Yeah. And, and I, I mentioned to her, you know, those are, those are, that's an awesome color. Where did you get those? And we started having a conversation. So before lunch was over, the principal, Miss Prey, came over to me. She says, I haven't got her to talk to me all year long. She hasn't said a word to anybody since she got here. What did you do? And I said, all I did was ask her about her shoes. Just start a conversation. I just formed a relationship with that girl because I started talking to her about her shoes, Darren. Yeah. It's, it's not hard. Man, no. it's not hard. What we do is not hard. If you love kids, what we do is not hard. You know, and I'm sorry that I went off on tangent there, but no, that is that's great. That, that is why we do what we do. And 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 I say this to everybody, and I don't, and I'm not saying this to tell people, you know, if you don't like it, get out. That's not where I'm going with this. But if you don't love kids, why are you in education? You know, that that is the only reason that we're here. That's it's the only reason that we're here, man. And and you and I have both been in situations and been and been in schools and been in buildings where we where where we are greeting at the door and all that kind of stuff, which still is an awesome, you know, Harry Wong. I mean, he's got it. I mean, he's got it figured out. You greet kids at yeah. the door, you knock them, you shake their hands, you do whatever. But then we've been in buildings where you see people who would rather who would care less, uh, you know, about that kind of yeah. stuff. And I think to myself, what are you doing, man? You know, we are here for these kids 24 seven. And this might be the only interaction they have with somebody all day long. Give it a shot. Go over and talk to them about their shoes, man. It works. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not hard. It really isn't. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that you shared that story with, uh, with our listeners because it really just takes that. Um, while you were telling that story, it made me think back and, and we won't chase this, but it made me think back to the time that we, you and I worked together in rock Springs you had a student who talked to you every single day and it was all about the concert t-shirts that he was wearing. 
<laughs> you know, I mean, you know, I don't remember what, I don't know if he had a Slayer or whatever his first one was. And you're like, Oh, Hey, I like that, that band. And, and it was concert t-shirts every single day. I heard you have every that day. conversation with kids, which, which was incredible, but it was an easy way to make a connection with a kid. They saw you as a human being, you know, and, and let's be honest and, you know, sticking with the Renaissance piece, you know, we'll, we'll give credit where credit is due. Our buddy PC says it really well. Everybody wants to be seen. Everybody wants to be heard and everybody wants to be loved. And when we take that simple step, you know, Hey, you know, love your shoes or whatever. I mean, I, I never let a person pass me in the hallway, whether you know, I was an AP, a principal superintendent, without acknowledging them even in the middle of a, a you know a, a, a conversation with somebody else you know i would still turn and say hi you Absolutely. know and if i knew the person by name you say him by name you know you should never let anybody pass you without without that acknowledgement so with and we we could take this conversation like a hundred different ways and continue <laughs> to go forever this is sure. folks this is what it's like to sit and have a have a beer with me and lillis although i don't it probably wouldn't be beer anymore i think at this point it would be it would be martinis but because we're you know <laughs> more we're more sophisticated now well you but, think uh, as you get older you're, yeah. you know you're a little bit more mature but well in theory but uh but yeah. anyway this this is what it would be like to just sit and, and have a drink with us so grab a drink while you're listening to this and it's like you're having a having a drink with us um Final question. Um, ask it of everybody on the show. Title of the podcast, Leaning Into Leadership. Eric, how right now are you leaning into leadership? Oh, I could go so many different ways with this. Um, just recently, I came across a term, and, and the term is grace swagger. And I don't know if you've ever heard that or not. But right now in this country and in what we do every single day, you got to have a grace swagger. And what that means is you got to have a heart for grace because that is a lost art in our schools and in our communities and in this country. Let's be honest. I mean, the past two and a half years, yeah. grace and gratitude have gone sideways. And just a parent walking in and yelling at you about something doesn't mean you have to take that personal, show them some grace. You know, um, when you have an angry faculty member about something, no matter what it is, listen to them, show them some grace. You know, when you have a kid walking without a pencil, seriously, show them some grace because they're a kid. Exactly. Hand them a pencil. What was that that we heard that one time? I you know, I think we were at a conference together and, and, Somebody was was angry at one of their 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 kids. They got up and said, "Well, this kid didn't bring a pencil to class." So so whoever was conducting the session said, "Hand him a pencil." I think give him a pencil. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. show him some grace. And yeah, you and you may not you may not remember this story, but the first year I was in Rock Springs as as the assistant principal, I did discipline and attendance, and the person that led the the building by a mile and and discipline referrals was sending kids to the office for not having a pencil. And I finally went and gave him a couple boxes of pencils. And his response was, what if I run out? Let me know. I'll bring you more. I know where they <laughs> keep them. Give the kid a pencil. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, no, no. And and everybody picks a word for the year. And 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 last year my word was family. And 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 you've seen our logo. 
I've got it plastered all over my emails. I got it plastered all over my schools. We are family. And, and yes, I, I picked an, a logo based on a 1979 disco song. However, it's catchy. that is how I want everyone to feel around here that we are a family and we're small enough that I think we can do that. And I really do feel that, that we have that here at Kingman Academy is that we are a family um, and families argue and families don't get along, but we need to show grace. You know, it, you know, it's going to make the year, it's going to make the school year. It's going to make our family run a lot smoother. So grace swagger and grace is actually my word for the year. You know, I, I started out, Jan one and I and I, I told my wife Samantha, you know, she, you know, she's like, "What's your word going to be?" And I thought about it like the entire day. She said, "You got to tell me by the end of the day because it's January first. You got to tell me by the end of the day." And I had like four of them in mind, and I said, "Sam, this year it's going to be grace because I've had to learn a lot of humility the past two years, and I think I've been able to do that because I've had grace for others. And I think I'm good this year. I'm going to commit myself to not take it personal." when things don't go my way, to not take it personal when I have an angry staff team member, not take it personal when I have an angry parent, which, which we don't have many. Cause I think we're better at showing grace. Ah, that's fantastic, man. I, I appreciate it so much. And, you know, we, again, we could, we could go on forever, but uh, um, I'm just, I'm grateful to have, have the opportunity to share our conversation with others. Um, I know people will come away with just, tons and tons and tons of information from this conversation. I will share all of Eric's contact information in the show notes. I'll share with you a link to his school district where you can check out the We Are Family um, and everything that they are doing at Kingman Academy of Learning in Kingman, Arizona. Eric, thank you a million times over for being on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. Oh, thank you, Darren. Love you, brother. This was awesome. Uh, right on, man. Love you, brother. All right. Super episode with Eric Lillis. Thank you again, Eric, for being on the Leading into Leadership podcast. You know, doing this podcast, um, something I'm discovering is how much I love having these conversations with leaders all over. But man, it was really special to share a conversation with somebody I've known the better part of 25 years and that I consider one of my very best friends. So I hope you all enjoyed that. Um, if you're interested in seeing the video version of that conversation, it is on my YouTube channel, and that uh, link is in the show notes as well. But now it's time for a pep talk. I was speaking in Wyoming earlier this week, and one of the things that we talked about collectively was how frustrating it is that the headlines and the narrative about education are really negative. So many people that are out there not in education want to tell educators how to do their job or they believe they know what's happening in classrooms when in fact they don't. The problem folks, we don't take control of the narrative. You know, George Curro said it so very well that we have to make the positive so loud that you can barely hear the negatives. In other words, folks, we've got to tell our story. I wrote a blog post about this earlier this week and I just really think this is a critical element. There are certain stories that we need to tell, and I'm going to be eventually sharing that out, the, all the specific stories I think we need to tell. But the one that I talked about this week in the blog and that I want to share with you on the pep talk is our origin story. It's easy 
to point fingers and make accusations at somebody when you don't consider them as a human being or when they're not right in front of your face. But here's the reality. Once they become human, once you know some of their story, that's not so easy anymore. All of a sudden, you start to understand them a little bit better. Folks, our origin stories, the story of how we got into education, are one of those stories. Every one of us has a unique story. I mean, let's be honest. Not every one of us sat around the house when we were six years old and lined up our, our you know, action figures or our dolls or whatever and said, hey, let's play school. I certainly wasn't that person. I mean, my origin story is very different. You know, I, heck, I dropped out of college once. You know, for all of us, we have a uniquely human story. Tell that story. People need to hear it. The only way we take control of the narrative is if we actually intentionally take control of the narrative. And you do that by telling your stories. So people really know what are you doing in your school? What do you teach? What is it all about? What do you care about? What do you value? The more we humanize ourselves as educators, the more we tell our stories, I think the more control we're going to start having over that narrative. It's just my thought. Take it for whatever it's worth. I hope you have an absolutely incredible week. Thank you for tuning in to the Leading into Leadership podcast. Thank you for listening to the Leaning Into Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Road to Awesome. Don't forget, click subscribe, give a review, and share this with somebody who might also enjoy leaning into leadership.